0: This is the Friday, February 10, 2023 installment of our Market Plus segment. Joining us again, Matthew Bennett. I alluded to it, uh, Mr. Bennett, uh, before we started the discussion that you've been on the road a little bit this week. You were on the road last weekend. You've hardly been at home at all. What's the biggest question from Tennessee, South Dakota, Iowa that you've been asked?
1: There's a couple of them. First of all, is old crop, you know, what do I do in old crop corn? I'm getting that a lot. I, I get a strong feeling and I think the industry would tell us that ownership of beans is significantly lower than corn just from what we're hearing. And so uh, people are asking, what do you think? You know, I mean, am I going to get rewarded by holding on into the summertime frame where we see these big fireworks? You know, that's a tough question because we don't really know what the crop crop's going to end up like. We don't know how many acres are going to be planted. But the bottom line is, what, one thing I do know is when you're in an inverted market, you know, typically uh, the best thing to do or the guarantee, if you will, is that they want it right now. As far as new crops concerned, you know, people are asking me, "Are we going to get back up over six? Am I going to be able to get six dollar fall corn?" You know, I mean, that's the question. But I always ask them, you know, what kind of money we, can you make at five ninety five? I mean, because bottom line is, right now you've got a lot less meat on the bone because we put so much into this crop from an input standpoint. We have to be really cautious.
0: So five ninety six is what we closed on Friday. There's the chart on the screen right now. We, in the last four months, we've tipped six forty once above six fifteen. Another time above six twenty another time. so, but the trend looks lower. Is the trend lower in that new crop?
1: The trend is lower in what you have is a series of lower highs. you know if you look at that. That chart It's in, in like, for instance, on Friday, you know, we, we get all this bullish news and enthusiasm, you know, you've got missiles, uh, flying around and, you know, uh, wheat markets taking off and going stronger, but, uh, these is really struggling to kind of get over some of your moving averages. And, and bottom line is, uh, I don't know that we get up over six again. I think we do. We probably do. Uh, what's it going to take to see that happen? Probably something substantial. And so you've been lulled into this kind of, uh, I guess, uh, sideways pattern for so long. And the bottom line is this, Paul, we're going to break out. Uh, If we break out to the upside, we're all happy. We shake hands and laugh about it, right? You break out to the downside and you don't have a plan in place, you're going to look back over months of opportunity that you didn't do anything. And I I think that you have to be very cautious in those assumptions.
0: Well, you just kind of answered the first question, but you bring up in the second question. uh, And it was asked a couple of weeks ago to Sean Hackett. I had a text, uh, we had a question from not too far from where you were speaking yesterday asking, why why not take advantage? Why would I take advantage right now when I'm a and cost of production's not on my side? Right. And I said to the person that detects me, well, do you want to lose more? Do you answer it the same way?
1: Here, here's here's my opinion. Whenever we look at it, why why would I do something now? Okay. Uh, you can do something now and still keep yourself flexible. I call it locking in a worst-case scenario. Uh, I don't know. Sean doesn't know. None of us sitting in this at de- uh, this chair knows what the market's going to do. Uh, one thing that I think we all understand is if the market plummets, given the fact that. The U.S. producer will definitely have put on average the most expensive corn crop in the ground we've ever seen in 23. So with that being the case, your risk is significantly higher than what it was a year ago because the 22 crop, most people had prepaid those inputs uh, going in like Farm Progress Showtime of 21. Uh, You had a cheap crop you were putting in the ground. Then we were rewarded throughout the entire year. And the thing is, Paul, everyone keeps telling me, well, in 20, 21 and 22, if I would have sat on my hands and done nothing, I would have made myself a lot more money. Why would I do anything in 23? Well, because in 23, if it goes the other direction on you, you're going to be in big trouble. And so, the last thing I'm going to say on this is this could be a year where you have 250 bushel corn and lose money. And you don't want that to be the case. You have to be protecting price levels because if it plummets, you're going to be in trouble.
0: All right. So Randy, he asked your, answered your question. So I want to skip to the next one. This one's about cotton here. It came from Frank off of Facebook. He says, cotton was just short of 160 for high last year. Right now it's at 85. Beans are within a dollar and a half of highs. Will there be more acres switching to beans over cotton?
1: Yes. I feel I feel pretty strongly about that. I think you'll probably lose a good 2 million acres of cotton Just the way things look. I'm not a cotton expert, but I do talk to a lot of folks that plant cotton. I think you lose, especially in the Delta, those those acres will probably go to soybeans. But then when you get over into the Panhandle of Texas and areas of Texas where you produce corn, obviously the basis has just been outlandish at times this year. There's going to be a strong demand for people to get in there and plant corn. Hopefully, moisture levels will have improved enough, especially in the areas, of course, where you have dry land. People will be able to get the crop up and going and be able to have some sort of a corn crop. But I do think you lose some cotton to corn in Texas.
0: Okay, let's go back to corn for a minute. You just did uh, this one's on the input side of the equation. You kind of talked about it a little bit, but it's understanding some of these factors that are in here right now. And this is Ryan in Iowa, and he wants to know why is anhydrous still at that eleven seventy-five a ton range with natural gas so low? Natural gas is one tenth of the price it was when nitrogen hit sixteen fifty a ton.
1: Yeah. I've been talking about this in every presentation I make, I've been using charts to kind of show the whole thing. And one thing that I'll say is this, every retail you've got in the country is full of anhydrous right now but they're not full at 250 in that gas. <laughs> they're just not and that's what stinks, okay? They're sitting on a bunch of high priced inventory and so if I'm a producer and I've got some flexibility, I'm not the first one showing up to pay for my anhydrous this year. I might even side dress, whereas I don't like side dressing maybe if I'm in that camp. I'm going to do things that maybe I don't want to do in order to save myself a significant chunk of money because the producers I know, they're able to go to the river and pick up their fertilizer for instance right now. It's so much cheaper. Than the rest of us that bought ours last fall, including myself. Uh, but whenever it comes to anhydrous ammonia, uh, the bottom line is you can't get it as cheap as what you think it should be based on that gas because
0: everyone's sitting on a very
1: high price supply.
0: Okay, so what about the energy side of this discussion with an input when it comes to crude oil? Drop here, uh, drop in uh, fuel prices, but a rise in crude oil this week. Right.
1: And so you've seen the crude oil market, you've seen the heating oil market, you've seen ourbop. it's just been a roller coaster, up, down, up, down. And what we've tried to tell our producers, if you want to hedge diesel fuel, for instance, Catch it on one of these downswings. Lock some of, the, lock some of your supply in. Uh, whether you do it with your retailer or whether you do it on the Board of Trade, uh, whenever you get a huge pullback in prices, pay attention. Last year those that hedged in the spring, some people actually had half the price this is what they had during the end season for fall. And I know uh, for a fact that was the case because we actually had some of it. We, 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 had, we had hedged some of our risk in the spring. We didn't want to do all of it because you don't know if you want to do 100% of it, you know, and it's not as easy to get in and out of contracts, you know, whenever you're talking fuel is uh, maybe what it is uh, whenever you're hedging corn and beans. I'm not an expert in it. I just know I wanted to lock in cheaper fuel prices. Uh, we did the best we could, but our in season price was out of this world this last fall. Keep in mind what happened to you last year and maybe hedge off some of that risk.
0: You're darned if you do and darned if you don't at some point.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, but you know, you, you, the last thing you want to do is go in completely exposed. Yeah. You know, uh, the thing I want to do is quantify as much of this as I can. One thing I've been talking about is risk management isn't just about corn and soybean prices; it's about fertilizer input. Uh, you know, when you buy your fertilizer last fall. Uh, and you had six and a quarter to six thirty, you know, at the Farm Progress Show time to actually lock in for Deese corn. High-priced inputs should be met with high-priced corn because you're buying the high-priced inputs with the thought corn's price is going to stay
0: high forever. They don't. We know that. If you want to sell Matt Bennett anything, I think the best time to go see him is around Farm Progress Show. He's very cognizant of all the prices at that time. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I want to move. Uh, I want to move to Phil in Ontario here. Uh, I might circle back to the other question in a minute. With basis levels for corn consistently at historically high levels over the last several months and a big disparity regionally, how transparent are grain prices at the local level? Is shopping around for the best grain price more important now? You've talked about basis. You've talked about those with energy that could go to the river. How do you shop around trying to find somebody to buy your grain?
1: I think that anybody who you think you might want to have any sort of a potential relationship with whenever it comes to buying your grain, let them know what you have. Uh, That's a good question. And I always feel like the best thing you can do is to have some flexibility. Now, I know most producers can't store all of their corn on the farm. And I also know that a lot of producers like, for instance, hauling to the elevator whenever they're offering maybe free DP. If it's someone that you always deal with, okay. But... This is the type of year where physical ownership could pay humongous dividends. And so if you're in that position, by all means, I would be very cognizant. I know some folks that have hauled uh, an hour farther away from home than what they have in the past and made 30 to 40 cents doing it. Uh, and even more than that. Uh, I know a lot of folks in Northwestern Iowa over the last couple of days have told me they've never seen basis levels like they're seeing them. But the next question is, do you think they'll get better? You know? And so I'm just saying, I don't know if they're gonna get better, but can, can you work with this? Can you live with this price level? Because uh, I, one thing I would tell Phil if he's trying to figure out what to do, same thing I'm telling everyone else. If you sold out today, at last fall's yields, what kind of money would you make? And so then if you, the answer for most folks that raise a crop is a lot, right? I don't know the exact answer, but it's a lot. So then your question is, what good does it do me to sit here and hold on?
0: Well, that's a question. We're going to go again, sorry, Julie, out of order. We're going to go down to Jeremy in South Dakota. He wanted to know on Twitter, can a farmer decision, a farmer's decision to sell grain affect the price? If farmers pre-sold less new crop grain, would it help prices Go higher, so that's taking what you just said. I think a step further.
1: So, if we sold less, would it help prices to go yeah. higher? So, in essence, uh, whenever you sell, it provides hedge pressure. Uh, you know, I don't know that. I mean, that's a that's a noble thought, and it's a nice thought. I just don't know that it's going to impact things the way they do. I'd flip that around a little bit. If Jeremy wants to sell, for instance, at six dollars, or the price that would get most um, I-state producers six dollars, you know, fall delivery, which is probably around six and a quarter, six thirty. If that's what he wants, then I think the question you got to ask yourself is: Is there anyone else in the country that's wanting six-dollar fall delivery corn? And there is. And so you got to be really cautious. Uh, I don't think the farmer holding out. If we all decided we were going to try to band together and do that, I don't think that's going to impact the price in, in that magnitude. And the and the other thing is is when it starts to rally you're going to have some jerk that's going to come in and do what we all asked them not to yes, do. Yes,
0: because I gained a dime. Well, I don't want to lose it. Matt absolutely. Bennett, good to see you. Thank you so you. much. Yeah. Uh, appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely, thank you. And the graph meter question is on Twitter if you want it the is. answer for that. Next week we are going to look at the homegrown industry that's at the crossroads of a couple of things uh, called commerce and conservation and we'll have Chris Robinson with us. Thank you so much for joining us and have a great week.